When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hook 'em up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Yeah, hook 'em up for sure. We're here for it. It's kind of like counseling on this Monday. A lot of frustrated fans. Therapy for sure. Mm -hmm. Sports therapy is necessary today. After Oklahoma beat Texas 34 to 30, Cowboys get tallywhacked by the 49ers in a measuring stick game. Well, that was the stick. Bludgeon. You got beat with it. Uh, <laughs> you got beat with that damn stick. Golf. <laughs> they did. That, I mean, they, put the, they got the backup in. NFL games, it's hard to get the backup in the games. Like, in what? Like early in the fourth quarter? That was not good. That was bad. Man. I'm not going to lie. We thought we hyped that game up. I thought it was going to be a great game. Everybody did. The NFL did. Everybody one did. One thing I'll say for the Longhorns, disappointing for sure. And At least you entertained mistakes, the people. But, man, that was a heck of a game. Yeah. No. I, the NFL actually has been dealing with some, some of that, too. They, they've they been having some, if you're really paying attention, some non-competitive games. They're worried about it a little a bit, A lot too. of them. Yeah, a lot of them. Exactly. The NFL does not like that. The NFL, they want some competitive uh, games, a competitive product right now. And maybe that's why the Taylor Swift uh, PR stunt, whatever it was, is such a big deal for them because the games have not been that competitive this year. Yeah. We'll get to that. But yeah, we will. That we was supposed to be like to a headline marquee game, and it was not great. Golly. Just, I mean, failure at every level for the Cowboys. I mean, it, I mean, Mike McCarthy. Should he keep calling the plays? Well, I think he's got to now. I mean, what are you going to do? Who are you going to well, turn you got, to? You got a shot and shot number there? Brian, Brian shot number. They got an offensive coordinator. Always been underwhelming as a play caller himself in the NFL, Dang. as Hall of Fame father. Um, That's but true. I just have never been a big fan of Brian Schottenheimer, but um, I, you know, it was mm. they didn't do much right. And, and look, and let's not let's not beat around that Jerry Jones Bush too, because he he called this their you know this was a, he was the one calling it a measuring stick game. You're playing the best team in the league, and this is our kryptonite and all those things. And you know, obviously, we haven't heard from Jerry yet. At least I haven't seen any quotes oh, from Jerry Jones. Yeah, Jerry's upset. Years. That might have killed him last night. Well, <laughs> look, it almost killed me. The other side of that are the 49ers are really good. I mean, they're really good. And your guy, Kyle Shanahan, good friend of yours, that team is. Yeah, they're a juggernaut right now. The, Christian McCaffrey was the last missing piece. It was for him. And now he's got, he, he basically has his ideal offense, the one that he's been building since he got there in 2017. So we got about six years now. So yeah, I mean we'll uh, we'll see if somebody can stop it. Right now it doesn't like like doesn't like anybody can stop it. Juggernaut of an offense. It doesn't. They've scored over thirty points in every game, forty two last night, and made it look easy. And the defense is good. And the well, that, that was the one. The guy, the Cowboys scoring ten points offensively is disappointing, but not completely shocking to me based on Mike McCarthy, Dak Prescott some of the issues offensively. Mm-hmm. But defensively, to get shredded like that, this was the Dan Quinn chess match with, mm. with Kyle Shanahan. They had the personnel. Yep, It was a mismatch uh, at every level. Yep. All right, let's get to the other headlines. We're talking uh, all things Texas football. Let's get you caught up on uh, where the Longhorns tumbled to in the AP Top 25. Top Gun. Rentsels and Lonequin bringing you the news. We'll start with college football the Monday after. 
Frustrating last second, 34-30 loss to Oklahoma at the Cotton Bowl. Longhorns tumble six spots now down to number eight in the latest AP Top 25. The 5-1 and one Horns now slotted just behind eighth-ranked Oregon and ahead of 10th-ranked USC. USC fell again, even with a win, and then to hold on and win in overtime. They headed into their bye week now for the Longhorns. Meanwhile, Oklahoma also into their bye week. They rose seven spots, number five with the win. Georgia remains atop that pole at number one, followed by Michigan, Ohio State, and Florida State. NFL. Longhorns were humbled in Dallas on Saturday. Longhorns, their Cowboys were humiliated in their showdown game with the 49ers last night, 42-10. Kyle Shanahan's team dominated in every way, 422 yards to 197. Brock Purdy, 252 yards and four touchdowns, three of them to George Kittle. Cowboys QB Dak Prescott, 153 yards, a touchdown, and three interceptions. Dallas now 3-2 and two on the year. Niners are 5-0. and oh. They in Philadelphia. Leagues only two unbeatens through five weeks. Philly beat the Rams yesterday, 23-14. Tough loss for the Texans in Atlanta. Their rookie quarterback, C.J. Stroud, continues to play well. Put them in front 19-18 with a touchdown pass to Dalton Schultz with under two minutes to play. They left Desmond Ritter and the Falcons too much time, though. They drove back down, kicked a field goal to win the game as time expired. Texans are 2-3, and three, one game back of both Jacksonville and Tennessee, who were both winners yesterday. Major League Baseball, huge weekend for the Rangers. Texas improved to 4-0 in this postseason. 11-8, they beat Baltimore yesterday. The top seeds in Baltimore. Mitch Garver belted a big third-inning grand slam. Texas... Uh, now, a two games to none lead in that series are a win away from the ALCS. Rangers have outscored the Rays and the Orioles 25-11 to so far in the four games. They can close out that series Tuesday night in Arlington. Houston, meanwhile, head to Minnesota, nodded at one in their divisional series with the Twins. They lost to Minute Maid Park last night 6-2. to One day after they were eliminated from the MLS playoffs with a 4-2 to loss to the LAFC. Major news from Austin FC headquarters yesterday in a statement. Sporting Director Rodolfo Burrell reaffirmed his faith in head coach Josh Wolf but announced multiple changes within the team's scouting and player personnel departments, including the departure of the club's chief scout as well as the team's vice president of player personnel. He also announced the club has added five new full-time scouts who will be stationed throughout Europe and South America. Burrell stressed that identifying global and national talent, new and long-term vision for roster construction is the paramount move moving forward. He closed the statement by saying, I believe in Josh and his staff and they deserve that they deserve increased levels of support from our scouting network. We intend to deliver that support immediately. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Halloween here is scarier than an OU cheerleader without makeup. But nothing scarier than missing out on employee pricing on all our zero-turn mowers this month. Top Gun. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. I'll give Sark some credit, too. He did add some wrinkles for this game that I hadn't seen on film prior to uh, my rewatch. Um, and and you, I talk about breaking tendency to win big games. The Gunner Helm touchdown mm-hmm. was magnificent. That was a, that Fourth was a, and two. Oh, and it's a gutsy play call, right? Fourth and two, you're going to throw it deep like that, way beyond the sticks. Um, usually when Texas runs that concept, it's a flood concept. Um, all the receivers are pretty much running to shallow drags or that quick out. I think Jay Witt comes in motion, that quick out. They're trying to just get it to him and flick it to him real quick so he can get the, the first down, get to the chains. Um, Oklahoma was well prepped. As we, we saw that, right? They were a well-prepped team uh, defensively. Ben Venables had them ready, and that's Sark using their preparation against them. Right? They were so well-prepped for that play that it almost worked against them because Texas broke tendency at the right time. So you can't just break tendency. you got to do it at the right time. That was a brilliant way to break tendency at the right time. Uh, we talked about this, and we may play it because I may send it to Ty. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we played the sound of Kyle Shanahan talking about the new concept, the, the burst short motion that Mike McDaniels was using a lot to get Tyreek Hill, um, you know, basically, basically get him on the move when the ball is snapped, basically get the fastest player in the NFL a running start, which seems unfair. Uh, Texas used it a lot in this game. 
And we talked about how much Sark is, you know, basically a fan of the Shanahan coaching tree. Uh, Kyle said a couple of weeks ago that, oh, yeah, we stole that from Mike McDaniels. Now everybody's using it. He said he saw Matt LaFleur use it. He saw Sean McVay use it. Uh, he uses it now. He's like, now that Mike McDaniels has thrown it out there, everybody who's a great offensive mind, they're going to steal that, right? STP, steal that play. Uh, and Sark. He saw it in this game multiple times, actually. I think they got a penalty on one of those plays, actually, uh, where he was using the short burst motion. I like that. I thought that was good. They used big 11. Usually they use big 12, which is one back, two tight ends, but the extra tight end is a sixth offensive lineman, Malik Ogbo. But this time they used big 11, which is just Malik Ogbo, a sixth offensive lineman, and then they had three wide receivers out there. That's something new. Hadn't seen that prior to the uh, Oklahoma game. And I love the way he featured Jay Witt. Could have been out of circumstance. Um, could have been, you know, game plan wise. I would love somebody to ask him, like, hey, did you plan on featuring Jay Witt as much? Because it's the best game Jay Witt's ever played. So this is his best game of his career in the Texas OU game. And I think a lot, some of it may have been circumstances. Oklahoma might have been trying to take away some of the weapons for Texas. But I also think a lot of it was game planning. Nobody would have thought, all right, who's going to get featured in this game? Jay Witt. Nope. I, I think most people thought, oh, it's going to be X-Man or A.D. Mitchell or, you know, it's going to be J.T. Sanders potentially. Nope. Jay Witt was the featured player pretty much a lot of the time. He was, and he had a great game. He, he had, had that big game. fourth down on the punt, the oh, punt, punt yeah. play, which I thought was really good. And look, I mean, gosh, it was Jay Witt two years ago when the Longhorns blew the game to, to Caleb Williams and the, the Sooners. Remember he got hurt, broke his collarbone in that game, and he was having oh, a hell yeah. of a game. You're right. And uh, that's when the Longhorn offense kind of dried up when he got hurt. But it was good to see him, uh, 10 catches, 115 yards in that game. Xavier Worthy had eight catches for 108. This says, you guys are sure being nice about the Longhorn loss. Look, I mean, it's – how else do you say that they got outcoached? I mean, well, the, 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 we, been, we screamed and yelled in the, in the first I don't hour. Know. I mean, Can't scream and yell for the whole show. Look, I mean, I'll be yelling again about 7 o'clock. Well, I mean, we, we, <laughs> the, the, the clock management was questionable, and you've documented that. No, it was, um, it was unquestionable. It was so, bad. But somebody texted and said, uh, guys, to give Sark credit, uh, Kirk Herbstreet on the TV was saying, now's not the time to run the clock out. Well, um, well not, not run the clock out. Milk some of the milk more of the clock. Guys, I, okay, I'll give it to you again because I went and looked at it and documented it. Well, let's give you the rant. Let's get the rant here. This is where... Our man Appalachian, Scott Cross and Appalachian, bring you Rod's Rant. It's all about uh, the last four minutes of this game. Rod's Rant of the Day is brought to you by Appalachian, the easiest and safest way to get a new car, any make, any model. Click Appalachian.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. Okay, so let's talk about the last offensive drive for Texas. Uh, and and honestly, one of the only criticisms I have for Sark in this in this matchup. I, I think, and, and there's a, there's obviously another angle to it, and you can debate it. Uh, and I think E made a really good point about Oklahoma and the really the, the the personnel that they were using at the time, they were tired, and Texas did not want them to have the opportunity to sub, so Texas didn't sub, but they also wanted to exacerbate that uh, that advantage, all right, and they wanted to make sure they can wear out Oklahoma, so they went up-tempo. Drive started at 449 of the fourth quarter run. Yeah, they went up-tempo. On the 13-yard line. And I think they were doing good up until, like I said, after that Xavier Worthy 12-yard reception. It was on second and 10, I believe. Maybe it was 12, 11, somewhere around there I mean, in terms of the yardage. But it was second and 10. They got the first down. And that's when they started to kick yeah, 11 up. 11-yard pass. It, yes. it ended up at the Oklahoma, Oklahoma 35-yard line with uh, 
on a, you know, on a, a first down. And that's when they kicked up the tempo. Yep. That's when they start to kick up the tempo a little bit. And I go, oh, okay, going up tempo. They see something they like. Usually when you go up tempo like that and you change it mid-drive, you see something you like, you don't want the defense to change it, and you want to attack it. And they did. They did a good job of that. They were moving the ball. There's no question. Um, and there were some injuries in the secondary for Oklahoma. Hell, Key Lawrence, they moved him out the corner. I get exactly why Sark was doing what he was doing. My only criticism is if you go look at after the X-Man reception, I'll give you the times. The, that was left on the, the, the play clock when they snapped the football. Um, next play, 28 seconds left on the play clock. Uh, that was the first and 10. Uh, another first and 10 because they get the first down there, 28 seconds left on the play clock again. Uh, then they get uh, second and one somewhere around there, 27 seconds left on the play clock. Uh, another first down, 23 seconds left on the play clock when they snapped the ball. Um, then they get a second down, and there's 24 seconds left when they snap the football. There's another first down, um, and they get 34 seconds left, and I believe that may be the sack one uh, you, you were talking about, Ian, and 34 seconds left when they snap the football there. So I'm not saying don't take advantage of the, the weakness that your, your opponents are obviously displaying there, whether it be an injury or whether you just like the coverage you saw, you just like see the fact that they're just tired and worn out. Go get it. Go after it. Guys. You're telling me you couldn't have milked five to seven more seconds off of every one of them downs that really have made that much of a difference? Five to seven. If you milk five more seconds off of those downs, that's, that's 30 seconds right there. Instead of 28, take it down to 23. Instead of 27, take it down to 22. I'm not, asking, I'm not asking you to take it all the way down to five to, to single digits. But, I mean, Get you it got, down to 15. You got to be thinking at that point, if you're paying attention to the game, you don't want Dylan Gabriel to get the ball back. You got to be able to think about two things at once as a coach. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can't just be like, all right, and offense, guys, go over. You got to be thinking about the defense, too. You got to be. That's your job. That's your You talk about complimenting football all the time. I don't talk about complimenting football when you ain't thinking about the other side of the ball. You got to be th- Dylan Gabriel's playing the key of his life. We all saw it. You had three quarters of data telling you this guy. Is balling. He's playing a game of his life, and we can't stop him. Don't give him the ball back with that much time. Probably still would have got the ball back, but not with 77 seconds left on the clock. So my thing is, I think you could have milked a little bit more time. Not saying milk it all the way down, but guys, that's six downs in a row where you're snapping the football with at least 28, 28, 27, 23, 24, 34. Come on, man. It, it, that's, that, it, it's a game of inches. That, I don't feel like, man, that's being nitpicky. That's your job. Your job is to manage the clock. That's part of your job. I think it's a very (laughs) fair criticism. I will also say the critical play there was on that first down. Um, Well, second down, no little little Quinn pass to to Xavier Worthy, 11 yards, so first down. And then on that first down play, Jacob Lacey broke through and beat the uh, the center, Connor Robertson, and sacked Quinn for a four-yard loss. So now it's second and 14, and this is where I think your your point was made. They should have milked more clock before now, and now you're in a second and long situation with the clock on your mind and getting yourself back into field goal range, right? Because that, that, that sack puts you back at the 38-yard line. So now you're over 50 yards for a field goal. So they, you know, Oklahoma then took a timeout after the sack. Uh, well, actually, te- Texas ran one more play, hit Xavier Worthy for three yards. Then Oklahoma took a timeout on third and 10, thinking they, to give themselves some time to get the ball back. Then they run the ball with Jonathan Brooks for six yards, and then Texas took a timeout to think about, do we want to go for this on fourth and four, or do we want to kick the Burt Auburn field goal? They kicked the field goal. Only thing I can defend Sark on at all with that, everything you just said, Rod, is right in the ramp. But uh, Oklahoma, Texas had stopped Oklahoma on four, the, the three previous drives, 
and had gotten control of it. But you're right, a two-minute drill is not what you want with Dylan Gabriel at this point of the game. Uh, so they kicked the field goal with 1.22 on the clock. That was too much time. Here's Sark after the game when asked about game to, uh, late game momentum. Yeah, no, I think that you know momentum is is a is a delicate thing, you know, and when you have momentum, it's great, um, and it can it can take a couple plays, you know, and and literally they hit two passes to start that drive, and they were already across the fifty, uh, and so they felt the momentum swung quickly in their favor, um, and uh, you know, he, you know, they made a couple throws and a couple catches, broke a couple tackles. And then they get the pass interference call down there, um, you know, right about the five or six yard line. Um, and, you know, the, the momentum swung that quickly. They were in their crowd area and, and the things of that nature. So um, that, that was unfortunate because we had the momentum. Um, you know, it was a difficult deal, you know, to, just to go back to Quinn's question because that was kind of, it's kind of not fair to ask him that when he's not calling it and he's on the field. So. We were trying to go score. We were trying to make sure we had the last possession. Um, the second down call there, we had called an RPO. And uh, you know we were, we were blocking the run. Kuma's was getting ready to throw an RPO. And the guy came off and made the sack. So at that point, it put us in a third and long. Um, a third and long with like about a minute and something left. And I wanted to ensure we were in good field goal range. Because if I throw a pass there and it doesn't work out, now we're at a field goal range. and. You know, ultimately to get the lead and to try to win the game, that's what we're trying to do. So we ran the ball there on third down, and we got to fourth and four. Uh, and then you got to make that decision. And to get a lead was what we tried to do. We tried to draw them off to see if that could keep us on the field. It didn't work. And then we kicked the field goal. So the, the mindset shifted on one play, really. You know, I think the, all along was we're going to finish the game with the ball in our possession. Um, whether we score, whether we kick a field goal, whatever it looks like, we were going to end the game with our possession. We got a little off kiltered there after second down. It actually was okay. the first down was the sack, yeah. as a matter of fact. No, no, no. I, I, and I, by the way, I agree with everything after that. Once the circumstances change and you get the sack, I everything he said in terms of the thought process, it's on the money. You got to get points there. I, 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 he takes it, it now. He would, he would have some. Man, he would have scones inside of smart cars if he would would have gone forth there. Uh, and, and, you know, and try, try, no, threw, threw it on third down. Yeah. And tried to throw it, you know what I mean, on third down. Instead of run it just to get the what he knew would be guaranteed field goal range. Um, and you, some people say, hey, man, he should have thrown it there. I agree with him. I think you got to get in field goal range, and then you got to take the points at that point just to get on top because the, the conversation today would be much would, would be much harsher if, you know what I mean, if, you don't if that get had, it, go, if that had blown go up in your face. Game. Yes, yeah. exactly. What do you because you took the lead right after all the mistakes you and nine lead. penalties and f- I call four turnovers because I think the goal line stands a turnover. I agree with that. Um, all the missed tackles. I mean everything. Thirteen of them by Pro Football Focus oh. uh, numbers. And by the way, um, that's a they missed thirteen according to Pro, Pro Football Focus versus Kansas too. Just say heads up. Yeah, it's, uh, it's so, a thing. Yeah, they got to work on tackling <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, obviously red zone come this bye week. Uh, two things that were really critical in that game. But, um, you know, let me ask you from the defensive back perspective, because it's, you know, you, you, everything you just said is right about leaving them a minute and 20 seconds, essentially. They had no timeouts. No timeouts. Why was it so easy? If you're going to play prevent defense, which everybody will say, you know, prevents you from winning. Well, when, from my read, if you're playing prevent, that means you got extra guys back covering. Why were guys so wide open? I mean, Drake <laughs> Stoops for 11 yards. Jaleel Farouk, 16 yards. Then yeah. Dylan Gabriel scrambles and hits Drake Stoops for 28 yards. Yeah. 
I mean, it was, it was only, where's the coverage? I agree. It was interesting because, like I said, Jalen Ford said in the postgame, they played man, um, and they played with their safeties high. So I'm assuming they played two deep man, which is two deep safeties, um, to one guarding each half of the field, but everybody's still playing man on their receivers downfield. And to me, that it does work kind of like a prevent defense. I think the DBs were told, don't let anybody get behind you. And that's, yeah, in theory, yes, don't let anybody get, but still, <laughs> Go make plays on the football. <laughs> like on the first down play when Stoops caught the ball for 11 yards, Manny Muhammad's like 11 or 12 yards know, off the exactly. ball. Exactly, and like, I think, I, I want to say, because I trust me, I've been in situations last minute, it's like, don't let anybody behind you, don't let anybody get behind you. And it's like, that, to the young DBs, people, these are young DBs out there, that's what they're thinking, nobody behind me. I did my job. If nobody gets behind me, it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. You didn't do your job. You got. You need to go make plays on the football. So it's almost, and I know the coaches are yelling it because they're trying to get in their head. They don't get beat deep. But that's always a rule for the defensive backs. I think when you got two deep safeties, it's more on your deep safeties to go make plays on the football deep. You ask your, your, your DBs to just go play, go play like you always play. Like, go at your corner. Go play like you always play, man. Go play man, and I need you to go lock that dude down. If there is a big play over the top and they want to throw it deep, which, by the way, they only did like twice the whole game, which I was shocked by. Um, we got two deep safeties over there to cover that area of the field. So I think that's what the, I think they played scared because they were told, don't let anybody behind you. And you know how that meant me- mentally for a young player. I think it just – it. It makes him less well, aggressive. It makes him play game, conservatively. I mean, you started the game without Ryan Watts. Jalen Catalan was out of the game. You got a lot of young guys out there, and that's not guys. an excuse. But at the same time, yeah. um, you know, the Longhorns were on their way to telling a great story and saying that they won another fourth quarter because they really dominated the fourth quarter and come back to win that game. And we know how it ended. Uh, you needed one stop. You remember at Alabama, you know, Ethan Burke and Anthony Hill both had big sacks in a big moment late mm-hmm. in the game. They had a big interception in the fourth quarter. Longhorn defense really never stood stood up and made a big play. Late in that game, offense gave them the lead and the defense and couldn't hold it, but you're right about the clock. They shouldn't have had a minute and 20 seconds to go. And I thought they mismanaged the clock at the end of the first half, too. I think you're right about that. That allowed them to get a field goal. Because remember that 10-point swing, because they, they got to score right before the half, and then they came out with the ball and went down and scored, right? Uh, so big 10 points, Oklahoma, right there with, with poor clock management. So uh, and they, they, they dropped the touchdown. They did. Oh, man. They dropped the touchdown they in did the first that half, right? That could have been. At the end of the first half, yeah. yeah. Uh, with with like four seconds on the clock, that mm-hmm. should have been a touchdown. Yeah. All right, we'll come back. We'll pick it up. Steve Sarkeesian uh, now one and one or one and two now. One in and three two. Longhorn uh, Oklahoma it games. Feels like he should be <laughs> undefeated, right? Yeah, he had the big lead. He had the largest collapse in Texas football history in the first year, and, and the biggest this blowout, one, and the, right, and then the biggest blowout the next year, and then now he loses in the last final what seventy seven seconds of the game. All right, uh, wow, brutal. We'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, better team won that game on that day. Uh, OU was more prepared and better coached and yep. more physical than the Longhorns. Their quarterback outplayed the Texas quarterback. And full credit to Brett Venables and his staff. Uh, I think all college football fans, certainly Longhorn fans, hoping they meet again at the Big 12 Championship in Arlington coming up in early December. That would be a lot of fun. We'll come back. We'll talk about it all morning. Cowboys get dismantled and uh, dominated all the football and baseball from the weekend. It took them up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Everything is uh, magnified in a big game like that, Texas and Oklahoma. Every decision, every play, every uh, moment. But uh, I am a believer, Rod Babers, you were a player. Players play, coaches coach. And could the coaches have done more to help their team win? Probably. But at the end of the day, tip your cap to Dylan Gabriel. He was the best player on the field on Saturday. Yes, he was, man. You said all last week the Longhorns have multiple paths to victory, and they nearly got it. 
Uh, even despite the mistakes, uh, Oklahoma had one path to victory, and that was Dylan Gabriel playing the game of his you know, of his life, and he did. And we were like, what are the odds of that happening? Right, and against this Oklahoma, <laughs> First Texas. time in the Texas OU game. <laughs> but we did talk late in the week. Um, you know, th- this was the first pass-based offense the Longhorns have faced, right? They've yeah. played a bunch of run-based offenses. And look, don't uh, for a Texas fan, don't apologize about where you are. You're sitting as a 5-1 and one team. You realize the the Kansas Jayhawks have only lost one game. That was to you. Well, Alabama's lost one game. That was to you. Um, Wyoming's lost one game. That was to you. They beat Fresno State this weekend. Wyoming's a pretty good football Resume team. Resume looks good, man. Uh, Rice is a three and two team. Uh, Baylor Baylor's is, screwing it up for you, right? Baylor's <laughs> a one, and you whip that team, right? That game was never never even competitive. Yeah, and Kansas got quarterback issues now because Jalen Daniels hadn't played in, what three games this year yeah, now. But they yeah. but they won again. Yeah, they beat won. UCF on Saturday. Well, because Jason Bean practiced probably this week. We didn't yeah. practice against Texas. Well, look, they caught a break. And this is what the, this bye week will be about. The Longhorns, this is the one big question. You, the, the Longhorns threw their first four games. It checked a lot of boxes about, okay, this team has a lot of substance, and I still think it does. Mm-hmm. But we hadn't seen it play a really good quarterback. And not only did that really good quarterback show up, he played great. And they broke out a lot of new things we hadn't seen from the quarterback. Uh, Dylan mm-hmm. Gabriel's averaging 30 yards Rushing per game coming per into game. that game. Per game. And he ran yeah. for 115. Had, what, 14 rushes? Or was it third, 14? 15. 30, 15. Yeah, he was their <laughs> leading rusher. He, he, had his, he, had, he tied for his most rush attempts in, in his career. Right. So they, they, they knew this was deliberate. This was, intent. this was part of the game plan baked in. And, and I had a texter say that playing Jalen Daniels uh, against Kansas wouldn't have mattered. I disagree. This is why. Think about how we all felt about Texas offensive line after the Rice game. Going into the Bama game. Think about struggling. it. Struggling. We were all thinking, that's not good. If you're struggling versus Rice <laughs> to pass protect, what is Alabama going to do to you in Tuscaloosa? And what does Sark say? We'll get it fixed. He went back to the lab. And your your theory, uh, E, they practiced one-on-ones, right? One good, good on good. On good. Uh, and I, I think you're right about that, too. I think Sark kind of hinted at that, too, but he didn't say it. And they probably had one of the most physical practice they've had during the season in a long time because he's thinking, we're going to Tuscaloosa. If we ain't ready to, to knock against Tuscaloosa, man, we're going to get ran out of the building. And he got them ready to go. And they fixed some of their pass protection issues versus Bama. You know, Nick Saban tried to exploit it. They couldn't do it. Actually, Texas won the lines of scrimmage in that game. And the offensive line played great. So my point is this the staff has actually proven to me that, you know, I always say coaches are problem solvers, that they can solve the problem. But the problem was they were presented to them. Right? They didn't play it a good quarter. They played three backup quarterbacks in a row. They had false confidence about oh, our secondary, we damn sure can hold up. Oh, get pressure on the quarterback, you damn right we can. Well, uh, yeah, against well, mid-tier quarterbacks you can, but what about in a high-level elite quarterback in that system? I'm not saying he's an elite quarterback Dylan Gabriel overall, but in that system, he is. Nobody is better in that system than he is because he's played in it more than any of the quarterbacks played in their system. He's got a comfort level in that system better than any quarterback and a familiarity better than any quarterback well, in their system in the country. So my point is, if they had played Jalen Daniels, he'd expose how Texas um, defends the quarterback run game. Not very well. He'd have exposed uh, Texas and a real quarterback throwing the football downfield and threatening the Texas secondary to see if they can hold up. And then if it exposed that, you would have went into the week, all right, preparing a different way, saying, well, we don't have false confidence about our secondary holding up, and I won't uh, just depend on us to get a natural organic pass rush. We're going to come after the game. We're going to blitz them. You would have had a different game plan. False confidence was also a part of what was Texas' downfall in this game defensively. Yeah, yeah that was the question we had, right? What what will they look like against a pass-based offense? Yeah. A, and a quarterback who's played in that system his whole life, he's a sixth-year player, 
uh, and didn't get to play in this game a year ago. He was on the sidelines but wasn't able to play and had to watch a 49 to nothing team. That's why I say Oklahoma played like the more desperate team. They played the more uh, passionate football, mm-hmm. I thought, for four quarters. And, and the path to victory for OU was a great performance by their quarterback, which they got, and then forced some mistakes by Texas, which they did. Uh, they forced the two early turnovers because somebody said that uh, uh, the the, the, the Ewers, I mean, Gabriel blew away Ewers in the performance. Look, after the first quarter, yeah. Quinn Ewers was 24 of 25. And the one incompletion probably should have been a pass interference on Xavier Worthy when he got run through. That was the only incompletion mm-hmm. in the final three quarters of the game. Quinn Ewers was phenomenal after the rough start. And the rough start was huge to the game. It's no big, one's yeah. arguing that it wasn't. Yeah. Those were critical moments. I mean, that led to points, um, and it led to an early hole. But uh, Steve Sarkeesian you know, rolled the dice and, and got Texas back in the game. The block punt for the touchdown was massive. That Jeff was, Banks special that was team. Great. Jeff Banks. Yeah, good job. Yeah, special team showed special up. Bert Auburn showed up, had a great game. They did. Special teams wrecked shot. And so there's a lot that you still like, but you're right. The secondary was exposed. It obviously didn't help that Ryan Watts wasn't able to play, and he got hurt. In the Jenny Catalan got hurt, Catalan too. got hurt on a freak fluky play early yeah. in the in the first half. He made, like, the first three tackles. He did. He, he was, was Ali Catalan for the first three. He was, he was coming right down here. Yeah, well, that hurt. <laughs> it hurt not having that guy a little bit. And yeah. then I do think, credit, credit to Jeff Levy and Brett Venables in Oklahoma, they broke out the quarterback run game, which they hadn't used all year, and I thought that helped slow down the Texas pass rush because that all of a sudden Texas was thinking about the run, mm-hmm. pass rush than, lanes, pass rush lanes yeah. more than getting after the quarterback. Totally agree, and that took through Texas defensive line off balance, and then and then the pace, yep, the tempo, the did tempo too. was a killer. The tempo wore them out. Let's be honest, it tempo is. wore out that D line, and they, they had a hard time getting it to did. the quarterback. And after I also that. think that um, you, again, injuries are part of the game. Jake Major's injury was critical. Uh, especially when Jake Majors went out and your backup center would have been Cole Hudson, uh, who was also hurt. And mm-hmm. so, you know, going down to your third string center, a redshirt freshman who's never played before. Think about last year, E, it was in luck more than anything, but it was also remarkable. They had the entire offensive line go through the entire season together. Yeah. <laughs> last season. Yeah. Remember how remarkable that was? It and was. Kyle, even Kyle Flo said, I've never had that happen, actually. He's like, all my years of coaching on lines, that's never happened. And I think this year now it's regressing to the mean. That's just that you don't go throughout the whole season without yeah. you know significant injuries on O line at every level. It's but just, that's what that rivalry's about, right? Yeah. A couple key, critical injuries, your own slow start. Oklahoma came playing like a you know, Ooh, a hornet's nest, man. Hornet's to start nest. out, they came, but oh. they got embarrassed last year. We also said that, and we said, it was "Man, happen. they're coming out, giving you, you everything, and all that, the smoke." And that's another check for the Longhorns. They weathered the early storm and got themselves back into the game. And um, but again, the clock management things are fair uh, criticisms. The you know is, is Sark too focused on play calling, and is there not somebody in his ear saying, "Coach, coach, coach, let's milk some time here. Let's milk some time here. Come on." Because once you cross midfield. And you hit that big pass, and you're in control of the game and the ball. You're you're where you want to be. You look. You do have an Oklahoma team that looks gassed on defense. That's where the you know the dumbass coach has to come in to Sark and say because Sark got the the head zone. He's calling plays. He's in his zone. He's in, He's squatting. He's in, he got yeah, he's squat. in his play calling <laughs> zone, and he's, he's your zone. play caller. Yeah. And it's like, coach, ten more seconds on each play. Come on, man. Just let. Just, they, they, if we don't sub, they can't sub. It's not a big deal. It's let them get deal. set. It's fine. Yeah. Um, Jonathan but, Brooks is running it down the throat. We good. Like yeah. you were wearing, you were, you're it, it, you had, je- you're right. That's a good point. Your depth had finally. It took forever, but your depth had finally kind of worn Oklahoma down a little bit. Well, because I know I it commented during the, uh, the in the the in game watch on Inside Texas and the On Texas Football Channel, which by the way, thanks for everybody that tuned in on that and good commented. Because I, I was pointing out to Ian Boyd, who was with me at the time. Look, but then the Oklahoma's defensive line was standing up on a couple of snaps on that drive where they weren't even, they were so tired, they were got their hands on their hips, mm-hmm. and the long ones are snapping the ball. 
yet they were throwing it. I'm like, dude, just run it. <laughs> just run it. Yeah. Give it to Jay Brooks. Let him go. That's a great uh, point. So, again, yeah. that, that's, so look, that's a fair criticism. Sark, we'll have a press conference at 11 o'clock. We'll get an update on uh, the injuries to Jake Major. We're being, we're being told it's a high ankle sprain. Um, they're expecting, by the way, to get Cole Hudson back after the break. They're, Cole Hudson is targeted to be back after the for bye U H, week yeah. for U of H. That'd be good. Which would be good. But again, you also mm. then just tip your cap to the, to the Oklahoma Sooners, who played a better game, and now they're in the top five in the country. They're feeling really good about themselves. They have, they have a prove-it win. But you know the fact that Alabama went and won at A&M on Saturday, disappointing for the Aggies, but big for Texas. Because if Alabama keeps winning, if you get back to that Big 12 championship game, Rod, if you can fight your way back with six games to go, the opposition the rest of the way already has 15 losses, uh, the teams you're going to play. Houston's a three-loss team. Best team you play that's left is BYU, and they're 4-1. and one. They had a bye week this week. Kansas State lost at Stillwater on Friday night. They're not very good. Their yeah. quarterback. Their uh, secondary. TCU, that, that defense got some TCU issues. TCU lost to Iowa State on Saturday. They're not any good. How the hell did he lose to Iowa State? Iowa State's struggling. <laughs> right? That's crazy. So if you, if you handle your business, fix the problems that you just identified and we've talked about, you go 6-0 and down the stretch, you finish 11-1. and if West Virginia takes it, you need West Virginia to lose because West Virginia is an undefeated mm-hmm. team right now in the Big 12, so you've got to watch them. Yeah. Uh, but they do have to play at Oklahoma, West Virginia does. Uh, if you can get yourself back to Arlington and give yourself a chance to win the Big 12 championship, that was the goal, Rod. All gas, no excuses. Big 12 championship. The Longhorns still have that within their uh, – they're through the toughest part of their schedule. They own a huge win over Alabama and four other winning teams or three other winning teams, and they, they lost the game to Oklahoma, and a lot of it was their own doing. This is an interesting point by the texter, and I um, heard the guys on Longhorn Network talking about it. I think we should discuss it a little bit too. Um, Sark had timeouts left too at the end of the game for Oklahoma's last drive. And there was some thought that when they start driving, when they get a rhythm, when it looks like, damn, they're going. They, they went down in 60-something, 60, 60 seconds, guys, like 62 seconds it took them to get down there. Um, at one point, when they, when they get that, that, that past the stoops and they get deep into your territory, should they have taken the time out yes. to organize, okay, uh, and I, and <laughs> to organize you, themselves? It, it seems Ian like, Boyd and anybody watching the, uh, the, the in-game cast can, re- can verify. I said, boy, this feels like a, a basketball team that needs a timeout right now. This right? is happening too Who cares if I stop the clock? Who cares? Yeah. We, we are, we're on our heels. Yeah, we're the ones we're that the are ones getting dunked the, on yeah, right now. Yeah. <laughs> we're under attack right now. We need to catch our breath. Yeah. So honestly, because I'm with you, I, it seemed like at that point, oh, they're going to score. It, said, it seemed like to me like it was well, pretty obvious that they were going to score. Right, those first three plays that got them into the red area, now you're thinking, okay, let's 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 powwow with PK. Do we need to change our plan here? We were let's not yep. get beat deep. Now let's see if we can heat up this quarterback a little bit. Let's see if we can because because remember the Longhorns had gotten the OU off the field, you know, the, the previous three times in the fourth quarter they had forced the, the the fourth down they didn't get forced a three and out. Uh, they had kind of gotten control of that run game and figured out some things of what they were doing. That's at the point. Do you, hey, do you call the timeout, Sark? Let's rally the troops. Let's right. change. E- even if we give up a field goal, we're still going we're overtime. Still good, yeah. Because <laughs> it looked like they were disorganized, obviously. I mean, look at the miscommunication at the end of the game that led to the yeah, touchdown. Blown coverage. So I think that also is something we can kind of throw in there in terms of the time clock management and game management. Yeah, Maybe you, Sarge should call a timeout there. Could the, could the coaches have done more? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, was this the worst coached game I've ever seen? No. No, I mean, not no. at all. There were just certain times. There, were a lot of, there was a lot of points where Sark was great, right? Going for it. Understanding, answering momentum, answering big plays. But, but this thing, Coach Ste- Stevens showed up at the worst possible times. He was predictable in that goal line situation with the jumbo package. Yep. He was predictable early in the game. The reason you got that pick, go back and watch. I'll explain it when we do behind the Burns curtain. Oklahoma knew exactly what was coming on that first pick. They knew exactly well, they knew the play. They knew everything. And I'll tell you why they knew the play. Um, he was predictable early on, predictable on that goal line drive, and 
game and clock management. And those are kind of my three areas where Coach Stevens showed up at the wrong time and we wanted Coach Sark there. But I like what Coach Sark did early on. He answered the call and responded and matched momentum and matched energy with 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 uh, Venables in that first quarter. That's why it was such a, good, a great quarter. Both coaches were doing it. All right, we'll come back with a round of bullish or BS, some of the topics outside of this Longhorn-Oklahoma game, including uh, are the Miami Dolphins on pace are going to be the best offense of all time. All time. Of all time. Details coming. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Bullish or BS? Bullish or BS time. Congratulations, by the way, to the Austin Gamblers who hey. brought us Bullish and BS up to their big weekend here. They clinched the regular season crown of the PBR over the weekend. Jose nice. Vitor Leme on his way to another MVP. There is another MVP in the uh, bull riding circuit as they wrap that up with the playoffs in Vegas coming up. But congratulations to the Austin Gamblers, one of the, uh, Shout the wins out. of the weekend. Shout out because it didn't go great for the Longhorns, the Cowboys, the Texans, the Aggies. It's not as bad for the Longhorns, though. And I, I know it's devastating. My point is... They still have a lot of their goals intact down the line. Big 12 championship, and it looks like all roads are leading to a rematch of Texas-Oklahoma in the Big 12 title. I'm feeling a lot worse about the Cowboys right now. Exactly. Well, bullish or BS, the Cowboys are a paper tiger. Bullish or BS? Is it possible, guys, that the 49ers are just that much better? No. They've they've, they've beaten the Jets, the Patriots, and the Giants. They're the three worst teams in the NFL, possibly. Maybe mm-hmm. not the Jets. Dude, the Cardinals beat the Cowboys. Yeah, and the Cardinals suck. Yeah, but again. the Cowboys played the 49ers tougher than the Cowboys, so maybe they are. That's what I'm putting. Like, I, I think that I think both things can be true. It's I tough think to the do the comparison be, thing. It's tough to do that. Because it's one thing to get beat. It's another thing to get humiliated, which the Cowboys did last they didn't night. Show they, up. they didn't just get beat. They got they didn't show up. outclassed, pantsed. Is Brock Purdy, bullish or BS, Brock Purdy's better than Dak Prescott? Yes. So bullish. bullish. Uh, I, I thought it was going to be an interesting conversation. You guys were like, no, he's better. Done deal. We don't need to talk about it. That's no, I'm that's done no debate. Well, would you trade him player for player right now? Yeah. I'd trade just about any other quarterback in the NFL for Dak Prescott at this point. <laughs> Dak, Dak said he didn't see it coming. Didn't got, see it he coming. He got that small Dak energy, man. Now, listen, I, I'll say that the, the offense doesn't help him. I think Mike... I don't know. Mike McCarthy doesn't seem like he's a very creative play caller either. I'm really, well, he's not, right? I mean, I think I think when you <laughs> let Kellen Moore go, and we talked about this, they got to face him next week, right? Ooh. You play the Chargers next week. They got to face him when you when you you step back in time with your offense. Exactly. You're not keeping up with what offenses are doing. You're stepping back, a to try to protect your quarterback. And we understand it was about the defense, but your defense gave up more points in this game than they had given up all yeah. all season they combined. Were, they were exposed a little bit. But yeah. it's the 49ers. They, Shannon well, exposes everybody. Yeah, I think <laughs> the offense put the defense in terrible positions. Also I mean, agree. six out of the first seven drives, they didn't get a first down. Yeah, yeah, they were awful. You're right. They got the no turnovers. Support. Three pick, three picks by Dak. Tony Pollard had a fumble. Uh, it's just bad. It's Tony, just, Tony Pollard's also been a, a, been a huge bust. disappointment this year. Hey, as someone who owns him in fantasy, has got nothing out of him. Nothing. So you, so you have Tony Pollard and uh, Jameer Gibbs. Is that the same team? Yes. Yeah, that's... Jameer Gibbs has been great, but I'm okay in that league. It's the, it's Pollard. I also have Austin Eckler, who's hurt. I mean, come on now. How many? What are we doing here? I'm happy they didn't sign him to a long term extension. Well, he's that's on. He's your franchise player, and he's not move. playing like it. But it, it was a wholesale collapse. Now, let me ask you this: bullish or BS? The and I know we've talked about it, Rod. You've you've predicted this. The Miami Dolphins 
are the oh. best offense of all time. This past weekend, they've put 31 points and over 500 yards on the Giants and could have done more, but they kind of pulled it in in the fourth quarter. Mm. They now have more more total yards than any team through their first five games of any team in history. They passed the greatest show on turf, the, the 2000 Rams. How about 8.3 yards per play? Like, wh- how? what? 8 point, th- almost a first down on every play. Devin a- Devin A. Uh, Chen has come in and out of yeah, Texas A&M. He's good. He's and has had three straight 100-yard games, and he gets 100 yards in like eight carries. Yeah, because he always had like th- <laughs> two explosive plays of like over 30 yards or something to get most of his chunk yardage. Tyreek Hill had a big game. Jalen Waddle had a big game. And he brought in Chase Claypool now. Some more speed. Yeah, Best, best offense ever, maybe? I, know, I need to see more. I got to see that because they more. went up against that Buffalo defense and Buffalo 20, smacked them around 20. a little bit. So I want to see them against some better defenses. Can I, can, can I ask you one more bullish or BS question? Two of them before yeah. we get to the top of the hour. This one, I want, I want you to hear the head coach of the Minnesota Gophers. They got shillelied by uh, <laughs> Michigan over the weekend. Shillelied. Shellacked. Shillelied. Here is what uh, oh, PJ, PJ Fleck, Fleck yeah, yeah, said like about him. Michigan. Row the boat. Here's what he thought. Good advertised. That's that's. I said this uh, on the radio a second ago. I think they're the best football team I've seen in 11 years of being a head coach. I've never seen a football team like that, that deep. I'm not sure if this is true, but I was told this walking off the field. I think they traveled 75 people and maybe played like 74 of them. I don't know. I mean, they've got, they're one of the deepest teams, one of the best teams, one of the biggest teams, fastest teams, strongest teams, and they do not make mistakes. They, they, are, they are truly like a boa constrictor, and they, they do not beat themselves. They're very good at each position. All right, there you go. Very... There's P.J. Fleck. Is Michigan the best team in the country? Bullish or B.S., Rod? Ooh. Georgia, Georgia beat up they on beat Kentucky. Up on, I'm going to go, oh, man, that's a good one. I'm going B.S. right now. Okay. I don't know because I don't know. They haven't played like, anybody. How, I don't know. Yeah, how am I supposed to know that? Georgia hadn't either, really. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I need more of a sample Kentucky size. Kentucky was an undefeated team, so we'll give them that. They could be, though. They could, they could be. I'd put. Michigan over Georgia right now just because of J.J. McCarthy. Yeah, I think I'm more trusting him than I have yeah. Carson Beck. Carson Beck played a heck of a game, and you wonder if that game at Auburn where they had to stare down a loss, if Carson Beck grew up in that game and showed that he can be a big-time quarterback. But that's P.J. Flex thought, best team he's seen in 11 years. Rod, T.Y., a you had a bullish or BS. Bowl statement. Bullish or BS, the Miami Hurricanes. Was that the worst loss you've ever seen in your life? We haven't talked about it. It was uh, – it, honestly, it turns – coaching it's, it's, yeah, loss. It's, it's, it's coaching malpractice is what it was. All you, we'll was kneel, you. all you had to do was kneel the football, and you'd have won the game. But And by the way, this is the second time Chris Ball has a loss like this. He has one to Oregon. He could have kneeled, and he decides to run it instead. Stanford. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, Mario Cristobal, the coach of Miami, they, they were up 20-17 to 17 on Georgia Tech. Oh. Georgia Tech was out of timeouts. It was under 40 seconds on the clock. All they had to do was take a knee and go to the victory. What are we doing? Go to the locker room. <laughs> said he hands it off. Kid fumbles. Four plays later, Georgia Tech's in the end zone, and they win it 23-20. Yeah. Mm. I mean, as bad as it can get right there. It's bad, man. Yeah. And that's their first loss, by the way. Miami would have oh. been 5-0. Oh. What does Coach say in that locker room to those guys? What do you say? I'm a dumbass. <laughs> you have to. You got to admit you screwed that up. Yeah. The, co- the, boys, the, players are, the players are playing the tails off, and the coach is screwing it up. Screwing it up. <laughs> yeah, when you can't, I mean, just take a knee. What are you doing? And even the, uh, I think one of the Hasselbacks, I think, was calling the game for ESPN. was like, why aren't they taking a knee? <laughs> like, it's under 40 seconds. And I'm talking about, why aren't they taking a knee? Oh, man. Every coach in the country is screaming at the TV. Uh, <laughs> all Longhorn fans are screaming at the TV on the goal line stand. Oh. On the end of the game, use more time, use more time. Longhorns lose. It's bullish or BS all, mon- all morning long. The good, the bad, and the ugly from a great weekend. Hey, everyone. You know we love all the texts you guys send us. 
So we want to tell you about our new Horn text line number. Make sure you save the new number, 512-447-3776, to keep sending us all of your comments, questions, and more. We're always trying to find the best way to connect with y'all. So make sure to remember the new number, 512-447-3776. It's 512-447-3776. And thanks for listening to The Horn.